Hi, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Tiagi Group Business Intelligence Podcast. I'm Matt Richter, president of the Tiagi Group. Today on Docket, we'll talk about the job markets, how companies go about recruiting and retaining talent, and provide some advice for job seekers. My guest is Rick Nelson, head of recruiting for Redwood Trust in Marin County, California. Rick is a national recruiter who has placed jobs at all levels of the organization and has a pretty firm grasp on how the recession has affected businesses and employees. Hey, Rick, how are you? Hi, Matt. I'm great. Thank you. So, Rick, uh, how's the weather out there? It's actually not bad today. We've uh, it, we've had uh, hail yesterday and uh, rain last night, but today it's beautiful. I don't think, you know, we in New York don't totally understand this concept of hail because we have either snow, ice, or rain. Uh, hail is uh, hail is basically like little meteorites smashing you that are the size of golf balls, right? <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> it's the closest thing to real weather we actually get. Uh, right. So how long have you been in the recruiting business? So I have been uh, attached to recruiting in one form or another for a little over 10 years. Wow. You're getting up there in years. <laughs> that's true. Faster than I'd like. <laughs> Well, for some, and I know I'm included in this batch, recruiting is simply an interviewing process of candidates and doing a lot of paperwork. But I I know after getting to know you that there's a lot more to it. So what do you really do? What's a recruiter really do? Sure. So I think there's there's a lot of different sides to it. I've I've, uh, worked in one capacity or another on all sides of the recruiting process. So I, you know, now on the uh, more corporate HR side of recruiting, which is a little bit different than what I have also done in my career, which is being on the third-party agency retained contingent search um, side of recruiting. But uh, for our purposes, I think on the, on the human resources side, I manage the hiring function for um, you know, workforce planning for an organization, trying to put together kind of the science behind you know, how, how do we grow, how do we support growing departments. Uh, if other areas of the organization are going to be slowing down, um, you know, how do we look at retention for those areas and then really putting together a strategy for how to attract and, uh, and retain, you know, those, um, you know, those employees for the long term. I just read an article in today's paper that uh, argued that uh, investors are saying that the job market's turning around, that a lot more jobs are opening up. Uh, what, what's your take on the job market right now? You know, I think we're starting to see signs of life. Um, it's it's a little bit deceptive right now because hi- historically, what I've seen over the years is this is a a busy time for hiring for organizations and good times and bad. And I've been through downturns before. I was a technology specialist recruiter during the dot com bubble and and uh, following the dot com bubble burst um, in uh, in ninety nine and two thousand out here in the Bay Area. And it was a lot like this, although not as much on a, on a national level. During the kind of end of the first quarter for companies, uh, you will see hiring out there, no matter how bad it is. And that's because a couple of things happen. Bonuses either pay out or don't pay out. Budgets for fiscal years are put into place. And there, um, and there is strategic level hiring from people kind of looking back and closing the year out for the year before. So you'll start to see people who did not get the review or bonus that they thought they were going to get start to peek their head up and look for potential other opportunities. So you'll see a bit of musical chairs during this time of the year, which creates some openings. And then you'll also 
see some strategic level growth that's kind of built into this uh, built into budgets as in we can't be successful this year unless we hire a um, I think the real signs of life for hiring out there is going to be what happens in, in Q2 through Q4. And, and if things stay steady into Q2, then I think this is a real sign of a recovery. Do you uh, have a prognosis for that? I think it's good. I think there is. I think. And mind you, the whole world's listening right now. Yeah. <laughs> I really think it's going to be a somewhat flat to real small uh, year of growth for, for, uh, on the employment side, I think that what what we're really seeing now is we're stopping the bleeding. I think we have seen, you know, the shedding, the reductions in force, the layoffs. I think that we've really, you know, those are coming to an end. And I think that corporations are going to hold tight as long as they can until they can feel really confident that the people they're hiring are they're not going to have to put back out on the street before the end of the year. So I think the end of 2010 will start to look a little better. And really, I think you're going to see a huge ramp starting Q1 of 2011. I think it'll be across all sectors. Oh, that'll be good. Yeah. But I think people are going to try and get across that finish line and get through 2010. And then you'll start to see some of the growth you would have hoped to see this year all happening in in Q1 of 2011. I think the people who lost their jobs have a fairly good feel for how bad it got. But the people who have retained their jobs... How bad did it really get out there? Matt, I, I, I might push back on you a little bit. I think that people who have, who still have their jobs, who have made it through layoffs or reductions in force, feel it really well. Now, if you've been in a situation where there haven't been, you know, if you're one of the lucky few that haven't been through a layoff in the last two years um, and survived it or not survived it, then there might be a disconnect there. But everyone's really feeling the the crunch right now because there even if you weren't affected by losing your job you're doing and taking on work of the person who used to sit next to you who's not there anymore and and I think that that's um, that's going to start to create a bit of turn as well as people start to get a little bit burnt out so it was a pretty universal scorched earth agreed yeah absolutely I, I absolutely I mean there are a couple, there's always going to be a hot industry and a down in a down market, and I'm, you know, I'm sure, you know, there are, you know, there are areas that are less affected than others. You know, my my company is really involved in the mortgage market, so, um, you know, our earth may have been a, a bit more scorched than other than other industries, but I think everybody was affected by it, and I think that's actually what you're going to see this year. You're going to see a lot of activity that's going to be more on the musical chair side as people look at other companies that they would never have, they would have never thought about leaving before, because they're feeling the stress and they kind of get to see um, a company they felt strongly about. They get to see some of the, um, some stress along that as companies had to make some tough decisions. Do you think that companies as they come out of this and uh, as they uh, become more aware of the stress their employees are under and can start to do something about it, is their search process different than it was prior to the recession? Are they looking for different things? Yes and no. I, you know, I think there will be smart companies will do things differently. This is an opportunity for companies that people haven't seen in a really long time. Uh, you know, a company in the hiring process is going to have access to talent they would have never been able to touch before. You know, there are um, 
people will have access to their competitors, employees that would have never given them the time of day before, and it's because everybody has their head up and everybody feels a little less safe in their job than they did before. And everyone feels a little less appreciated than they did before. And companies that take advantage of that are going to do very well. You know, in the in the recruiting world we talked about the war for talent for years and it was it it never got here, um, but it was all we talked about in recruiting. It was, hey, the baby boomers are going to be retiring. There is not going to be enough available, highly skilled talent on the market. You better go get your A players now, and you better lock them in. And that was what everybody was really ramping up for. And now, 401ks have been decimated. People are not retiring because they can't afford to. And entry-level, fresh-out-of-college um, employees are not as in demand as they were. In fact, they're having a very difficult time finding a job. And now, it's not really a war for talent. It's a... Um, it's a war for your neighbor's talent. <laughs> it's kind of what we're what what it's turned into. Is it um, easier to get the senior executive team involved in in talent management strategies? That's what separates the, the strong from the weak in a, in a corporation. You know, some some executive management teams are just never going to get it, and that doesn't matter whether it's a good time or a bad time. You know, some would look at a situation like this and say, "Hey, I don't have to worry about hiring because everybody's out there." So let's you know, let's go bring in talent and we can pay them less than we did before. And you look at it as a cost measure. And that's important. Don't get me wrong. Um, But it's also a missed opportunity in the ability to bring in strong talent that that wasn't available before. And those, you know, the the companies that that do that and do that well, go very far. Google's famous for it. Um, Technology companies tend to, uh, to play that style of recruiting a little better than other, than other industries. But there, you could find it in every company. Deloitte is another company that does very well at that. So from the candidate's perspective, what should I do if I'm out searching for a job? What, what are some of the tactics I need to employ or strategies? Sure. Well, first, it's tough out there. And, you know, I mean, acknowledging that and not holding yourself to, uh, to a standard of, Hey, I need to. You know, everybody needs employment. But if you start to put yourself worth in whether or not you're able to quickly find it, you're going to have a hard time. Um, you know, there's a lot of science behind recruiting, but a lot of it can also be. Um, uh, is a lot. A lot of it's a lot, very similar to dating too. There's, there's definitely an art to this. And if you um, if you start to feel bad about where you are in the employment process, uh, recruiters and HR professionals and executives and managers can can almost feel it and it, you're going to you're going to make it harder for yourself to find employment. I think the key is to really stay positive, to look at the process of looking for a job as a job and approach it that way and you'll probably have an easier time. I and I think the other thing to do is to really separate yourself from the masses out there and and the way to do that is to um break some of the rules. I mean, there's a difference between, uh, you know, sending your resume through a job board and following up, going on LinkedIn and finding out who you know, um, networking your way, you know, having a cup of coffee with friends you went to college with that might know, you know, someone at a job or a company you're excited about. And that's going to take you a lot farther than sitting in your pajamas, having a cup of coffee and blindly clicking send on your laptop. Hmm. Which uh, brings up a, a question: Is the resume still valuable? Probably more so than ever. 
as companies have really gotten more into the technology side of things, your um, your resume is very important because most companies now have an internal database. When you send that resume, um, it is stripped down of all of its formatting. It is parsed into a searchable database, and so you know if I have an opening, I can you know in within five minutes search a couple keywords like you would search Google and find every candidate who's ever applied to my company with those keywords or phrases and quickly boil this down to a handful of candidates I think would be a match. So making sure you have your resume, you know, kind of put together to, uh, you know, to, uh, to attract being caught up in those searches I think is highly important. What then are some tips for making my resume stand out? I will um, I'm gonna give away all my secrets. I'm sure this is going to come back to haunt me. <laughs> but here's what I do. And, and I, you know, I used to be a recruiter who represented candidates into companies. So you know, for candidates I felt strongly I could place, I would represent them and handle the marketing piece for them. And that's the real key. People really look at resumes as if it's a historical review of your entire life. And that's great, but it does not make them fun to read or easy to read. Um, I think the real key is to approach thing, approach your resume and approach your job search like dating. It's marketing. It's putting your best foot forward. That doesn't mean you can lie on your resume. That's a big no-no. But you know, a lot of the answers are there for you in a job description. So you know, if I'm looking for a job, I'm going to look at a job description, and they're going to say I'd like someone with five years of X two years of, um, you know, B, and, uh, and someone who can work in, you know, a Y environment. So in my resume, the first thing I'm going to do is put a summary that says I've got five years of first thing you asked for, seven years of second thing you asked for, and ten years of third thing you asked for. Now, the recruiter, it, that's the first thing they're going to see. And before they've even looked at my background, they're already 90% sure I'm a fit, right? And that, that's marketing, that's not making it hard to be seen. It's making it easy to be seen. You want to write a resume like someone's going to read it, and you should customize that to the job. You know, the number one way to get a job, the number one way people are hired is through a referral. And then the second, the second uh, most popular way to get a job is through a job posting. And then way below that would be being searched because your resume is posted somewhere. Got it. It's it's uh, so I don't think it makes any effect if you you know you, and when you're looking for a position you should adjust your time accordingly. If you spent ninety percent of your time looking through your own network and having coffee with friends you haven't seen in a long time and saying hey I'm looking here's what I'm looking for do you know someone at a company like this or like that is going to take you so much farther than looking at job boards or posting your resume on a job board. You know there there sounds it sounds. Uh very difficult for a person who has a lot of pride and and who who's in the past rarely had to struggle to find any work to have to go out and do that it, it sounds like it's emotionally a roller coaster oh absolutely and that's where you really run into a lot of danger right because swallowing some of that pride if you are feeling that when you I mean the whole goal of all of this work that you do through networking, through being active on social networks, through um, through building this resume, all of that work, all it really does is it's getting you an opportunity to get in front of someone. Now, if you get in front of someone and you don't feel good about yourself, you're not getting the job. Yeah. It's that simple. 
So it's really a matter of, you know, if you're searching for a job, spend, you know, enjoy the time off because this thing is going to turn around. Everyone's going to be gainfully employed again. It's not the end of the world. But, but carve out four hours a day where you're going to put your suit on and you're going to sit in, you know, you're going to go to a coffee shop or you're going to sit in your home office and this is what you're going to focus on. And it's going to give you a routine and you're going to go through the list of companies you most want to be at and you're going to feel better about it because it's a process and it's not like I said, you in your pajamas, sipping a cup of coffee, clicking send on your laptop. Right. I know you're heavily involved with social networking. I follow sure. you on Twitter. <laughs> Which I appreciate. I follow you back. <laughs> Someday I should actually tweet something. <laughs> so what, what's your take? Uh, uh, you've mentioned LinkedIn, but what's your take on social networking tools? Uh, which do you like? Uh, which are useful? Yeah, well, so LinkedIn is number one, although it depends on the position. You know, uh, I think if you're looking for a corporate role, then LinkedIn is great. It really is Facebook for professionals. It's the number one way to be seen and number one way to really put together that list of who you want to look up to have a cup of coffee with. Um, today, as a matter of fact, I've got two positions I'm working on. I scheduled a gentleman in for an interview, and he, I had a a coworker of mine come up to me and say, hey, I went to high school with a guy that you're bringing in for an interview. He looked on LinkedIn to look at the people who he's going to be meeting with this week, and he realized I'm connected to them all, realized I worked here, called to ask me about the company and asked me about things that I should be um, interested in or if there were any advice. I have not met this candidate yet, but I guarantee you that when I get the feedback about this candidate's interview, people are going to be impressed because this candidate's going to come in very knowledgeable about the situation and the culture. And that's all from spending five minutes doing a search on LinkedIn. You have to let very, us know if he gets hired. Yeah, I'll keep you. I'll certainly <laughs> keep you posted. Um, but I, but I, you know, already that person has a competitive advantage. And there are friends of mine who've been displaced in in this environment. Some actually from from this company who have used LinkedIn to kind of put together a list of people they've worked with before. They've gone out, had coffee, they've talked to, said, hey, I'm in the market, I'm looking for a company like this, I'm looking for this kind of opportunity. And it's really helped them get their resume off of my desk and into a friend's hand. Um, and that goes a long way. Not that I would block someone from getting hired, but if I get a resume that's handed to me from an employee, uh, that that's automatically going to kind of move at the front of the line as far as getting my attention as opposed to coming in through a website. So I get your and, attention and you call me for an interview. How should I prepare for that interview? It would be nice if you knew a thing or two about the company. It would be nice if you came in with educated questions. Now, I don't. I personally don't want you to overthink this or overprepare. Um, it's not a math quiz. I'll, sometimes it is, but depending <laughs> on the position. But I want you to really ask the questions that I think an engaged employee would want to know. Um, and that's different from job to job. Um, but, you know, cut. Uh, questions about the culture are key. You know, I want to know that you're not just looking for a job, you're looking for a career. So if you do a little homework and you've got valid, you know, valid concerns, um, that's important to me. You know, hey, what's your what's the turnover rate like at this company? Do people have long-term careers? What's the average tenure? Um, you know, what are, what are people saying out there? And and that's where social networking comes in in uh, big for research. So you got your foot in the door. You find out somebody on Facebook said, hey. I hate this place. They treat you bad and their benefits are horrible. Find that out 
ask about it, and I, I may have an answer for it, but I know that you know that you're coming into this knowing what you're getting into. And that shows me that you are uh, more than just an applicant. You're really considering this job. How do I handle a question when I don't know the answer? Yeah, I think that's fair. And I, I think much like a company, you know, I think that this whole process is all about transparency and integrity. You don't have to have the answer to every question. I, I don't expect you to. In fact, most, most hiring processes have questions kind of built into the process to set you up to see how you handle a situation. I mean, some interview processes are built on building stress into the situation to see how you handle it. Um, yeah, I, you know, remember, I, I, think the, I remember working with a, a VP of sales who said that his goal was to terrify all prospective candidates to see yeah. how they handled it. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> you know, and there, you know, there's something to be said for that. And there, there are other things to be said about it, too. But, um... <laughs> yeah, I know. The guy should be in jail. <laughs> right. <laughs> Actually, I think he ended up in jail. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think the real key is be honest and stay true to who you are. And you're probably always going to be okay. You may not get the job, but you'll you'll even feel better about not getting it. You know, if, if I'm asked a question I don't have the answer to, you know, it, I think it's okay to say, "Hey, I've never been in that situation. Here's how I'd like to think I'd handle it. Here's what I would do if I were faced with it right now." But I'm open to the fact that I don't know enough to really fully answer your question. I think that's honest, and I'd rather have that than someone saying, "Well, absolutely, here's what you do." and risk the, you know, risk being completely off base. What are some, uh, what are prospective employers looking for in me? Yeah, value. Value, value, value. You know, people want to, you know, people hire people that they think are going to be able to contribute, especially in this market. If you, people are not getting hired if they have to learn the job. People are getting hired because they've done the job successfully somewhere else before, or, or at least, you know, over 50% of the job and the rest, they're really transferable skills. So it is the ability to um, really cross market. I can, I can help you here and I can also help you with A, B, and C. Um, it's a, you know, really a strong interview process and what's going to get someone hired is I, I will help you save money, make money um, in what you hire me for and in these other two ways. And that's what really gets, gets things going. And that's what companies are looking for right now. What shouldn't I do? There's a fine line of playing too hard to get in an interview process, and that's the tough thing. If if you, um, especially in today's market, if you come across on here's who I am now, make me want to work for you, it does not go over well these days, especially since that war for talent never really materialized. Um, I think the real key is is saying, hey, here's where I can add value to your organization. Here's where I can make an impact for you. Um, trying to find the synergy in a situation. Here's why it's good for you. Here's why it's good for me. And striking a balance. Um, and that's not how everyone was taught to interview. You know, it was a much more of a, you're on one side of the table, I'm on the other side of the table. And that's not really how it works anymore. Do you have any horror stories that you can share without naming names? My, <laughs> there are many, many, many. A lot are... Uh, uh, in fact, let me, I'll show you two, two quick ones, if that's okay. Yeah. But the first is, I, there are a lot of resume mistakes that come through, enough to where someday I'm going to end up writing a book about, about all this. But my um, uh, two, two quick ones, one was a, uh, someone who was looking for a position uh, in a warehouse where I used, to, uh, I used to 
do all the recruiting for a, a, a public retailer and in, you know, in the warehouse where they'd have all the product before it would direct ship to customers. They were a warehouse manager, and they were so proud of their 0% accuracy rating in filling orders, which was obviously a typo. But if you're going to have a typo and try and have 100%, you really don't want 0% to be your lead line in a resume. My, uh, my other resume one was a... Uh, was more of a language barrier where there was a, um, a fresh graduate who was looking for a position in America from, um, from India, and she, her lead line in her resume was that uh, she was a recently passed out graduate from Sri Lanka. And I think passed out meant a little something different in her resume than what she than what That's she great. meant what, it, what a, a recent grad out of here in California would mean by recently passed out. Um, so that that was uh, that was another entertaining one, um, but there are many. You see a lot of uh, you see people's best and worst when you manage a hiring situation. It's a high stress situation. Rick, any uh, last comments as we uh, wrap up? Yeah, I think if you're a candidate out there, hang in there. It's going to get better. Um, I really do believe there is a right job out there for you know for everyone. It's just a matter of finding it, and you know keep your head up. Um, you know there. You know, there, you have something to offer, and it's about finding the the right place where there's that balance between who needs it and what you need. If you're an employer, you know, um, get ready. Don't don't keep blinders on because people, employees that you never thought would have gone anywhere, um, you're going to need to put your arms around because um, this is going to be an interesting year as people start courting and uh, people are um, feeling less tied to their employer than they have probably in a number of years. Rick, I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, hopefully we can get you on again to uh, share some more stories with us. <laughs> you, you got it. Well, thanks again to you, Rick. And you've listened to the Tiagi Group Business Intelligence Podcast, Episode 4. Tune in next month for Episode 5. We have no idea who our guest will be yet, but I'm sure he or she will be great. Thanks for joining us. You can check us out on iTunes or on our website, www.tiagi.com. Thanks a lot. Take care.